All right. F. Mary Kill, Dracula, Alucard, and um, that that spicy little pointy-toothed Nosferatu guy. Okay, so Alucard is the guy from Helsing, right? Uh, no, um, or, from Castlevania. Castlevania. Oh, all right. Um, I'm going to go Dracula's baby. with... Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Mary Dracula, fuck Nosferatu, and I got to kill Elucard. Sorry. Ah, oh, bummer. Yeah, I I'm mean. I'm disappointed he's not the anime one because I'd probably marry the anime one, which would make the okay. fuck choice super hard. Yeah. Oh, okay. What a, anime Alucard? Castlevania yeah, I would marry anime. Him. Oh, oh, you mean from Helsing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is pretty spiffy with that all red outfit. Yeah, and I mean he's he he has a very good relationship with his with his underling with the what's her name Sarah type character. Oh yeah, the baby Uh, vampire. Yeah, and so yeah, he takes care of her and he trusts in her and he he relies on her even though she's like you know, just a few days old vampire. And so I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good marriage. So you'd still fuck Nosferatu though, right? I think so. I think you gotta go for it. I mean, Dracula, you know what you're getting, but Nosferatu, uh, that's a wild card. Ooh, baby. <laughs> I'm gonna flux it. I, <laughs> um, I'll ask you on the next one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, God, I wish I had a good Dracula hook line. Um, yeah, let's, I, I hope this podcast drain- doesn't suck. Oh, that's the best let's one go I got. with that. This is Necromancer. Necromancer. I'm Shira. I'm a fan of rom-coms. I'm joined, as always, by Brent. What do you like? Oh, I like horror movies. Oh, yeah. And what do we do here each week? Well, each week we review a movie. Uh, You pick the rom-com, I pick the horror. And we base that on a theme. This week's theme is vampires. And then we're going to remix the movies. We turn the rom-com into a horror, the horror into a rom-com. But uh, vampires. It took us a while to get here. Yeah, vampires. Vampires is a big one. Maybe, Maybe I'm nervous about vampires because I I knew that this would be a, a big milestone for us to finally get to vampires, because I feel like when it comes to romance and horror, vampires have really cornered the market. Yeah. And yeah, we didn't save this for like a big anniversary episode or special kind of thing. It's just like, you know what? Vampires... Right. Vampires don't need any kind of boosting from that stuff. You can talk about vampires anytime you want, especially when it comes to horror and rom-coms. 
Yeah, I mean, but I do feel like fall is the season for vampire romances. Like we, at the recording of this podcast, we just got done with Halloween. The weather's starting to get a little chillier. It's getting darker at night. You know, the vampires are really benefiting from daylight savings. uh, Unless you're uh, Dave and the tragic daylight savings accident. (laughs) Right. Um, <laughs> so, but it's also it, it's weird because now that I live in Texas, especially for for a good handful of years, there are no seasons in Texas. So, like in in when I lived in Rochester, it's every season all the time, right? But when I lived in Rochester, New York, that had defined seasons, and fall was a very specific season, and. I lived, you know, it's kind of like there's woody areas that you can go to, foresty areas. And so I think the the, the difference in setting between like a, living in a completely non-seasonal place and a seasonal place, it does. It has that like every year you get that sense of like, ooh, dread. <laughs> like fall is just a dread. It's It's beautiful and it smells nice. But it's also just full of, uh-oh, what's coming up next? Darkness and dread. Well, excuse me for letting Target and Walmart define my seasons for me. Yeah. You, you and just so I know it's Christmas. It's Christmas time now. It's Now it's Christmas time. It's officially, yeah. it, it hit November 1st, and now it's Christmas. I honestly don't mind that. Thanksgiving has never been a holiday for me. Oh no! But so back back to our favorite bloodsuckers. What do you think it is about vampires that we just keep coming back to? Like, I think that just writers are crazy about vampires. Oh man! Because From every genre, you, it's, vampires has to be one of the biggest sandboxes of just shorthand. Like one of the big things when you're dealing with genre films is shorthand. And the more information you can give the audience in a small amount of time and have that information easily digestible, like that's that that gives you so many opportunities to tell such crazy stories. And yeah, you can pick you can pick lore, you can pick tone, you can pick whether or not you want them to be sexy or scary or both, or you can pick any like they can be out in the sun and it doesn't affect them, or it just like minorly just dampens their powers, right? So it's or maybe they're a psychic vampire. Yeah, what whatever you want, what pick pick a thing, turn it into a vampire, go like it's not just one defined theme. I don't think like it's there's a couple of them that mix and meld and it's ah it's such a great combo of a bunch of stuff but um yeah, yeah I, I also think? I I don't know I feel like vampires are both they come to stand in for everything that we'd want to experience but can't for societal reasons or one thing or the other a kind of sort of social liberation from norms. Um, But then at the same time, they also come to stand in for everything that, that society might consider subversive or monstrous, like homosexuality. 
Ooh. Um, yeah, I guess the fact that vampires live forever, most of them do have that sense of like, eh, I, I just need to fit in the bare amount to have the most fun I can or suck the most blood I can before I just kind of hide away. Um, when it comes to societal vampires, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just that like, like I feel like always in... In most depictions of vampires, there is the idea of them being predators, both physical, as in they'll kill you, and sexual. Like, Bella Lugosi as Dracula was kind of like a little minor sex symbol. And, you know, I think Frank Langella did a Dracula stint, and he was a sexy Dracula. But, like, there's... There's this whole idea of like, I don't know. In, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't even no. express when it, it comes as well to, as I think other people have in the past. Yeah, when it comes to to like blood and purity and and like the taboo of having sex because of the the complicated social relationships that that causes, like back when. Like, I'm not a slut, he's just a vampire. Right. He's just a vampire. I'm not gay, it was the vampire. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think it's just... I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So, between our two vampire films, which of these uh, extended life forms would you like to get to first? Uh, I watched the rom-com first. Same here. I watched Vamps and then I watched The Vampire Lovers. Yeah. So I think I think we can get Vamp uh Vamps out of the way. Ooh. Ooh. If that if that's a testament there ever was. Uh, you should you should not be clueless as to how I feel about the movie. Oh. oh. Now we're we're adding puns. Uh but yes, to to piggyback on that, this movie is directed by Amy Heckerling, who did Clueless and Fast Times at Ridgemount High. So of the vampire love stories that were out there, I was most interested in revisiting this one because I really like Amy Heckerling. And I mean, I think Clueless, similar to Legally Blonde, is just a, a flawless movie. Uh, so why not? Why not explore the rest of her, as I like to call it, oeuvre? Uh, yeah, I have a question. I'm sure yeah. you have plenty of, of books to recommend in terms of, like, vampire fantasy rom-com-y type stuff. But are there, like, what were the other movie choices? Because I had no idea this movie existed <laughs> until... You picked it for the podcast. I didn't I didn't really do much research because I knew I wanted to do this movie. I just had it in my back pocket and I was like, Amy Heckerling, Vamps, when we get to vampires, we'll do that one. All right. Yeah, because I, I remembered I remembered, you know, Kristen Ritter, Alicia Silverstone, all the all the people that were in the movie and people I didn't even remember being in the movie, like Wallace Shawn and uh, Dan <laughs> yeah. Stevens. Yeah, Dan Stevens popping up. It's always such a pleasant 
charming surprise when Dan Stevens pops up in one of those like before he was Dan Stevens kind of movie. And, you know, I'm always talking about and judging actors based on their willingness to do a romantic comedy. Even now that Dan Stevens is famous for his more serious roles, he still did a rom-com recently or, or a romance. Maybe it's a capital R romance, but it's a German movie where he plays a robot. He's a he's an ex machina, if you will. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's a he's a robot lover man. It's a movie called Whoa. I'm Your Man. I still haven't seen it, but I want to see it. And mad props to Dan Stevens for keeping romance alive in his acting career. Yeah, Dan Stevens is a, a very well-calibrated actor to whatever movie he's in. Like, he's very good at just shifting into whatever tone uh, uh, the movie's in. But yeah, this, I, I, I'm going to be honest, I'm not a, uh, I've only seen Clueless once. Didn't make any kind of impression on me. But what did you as feel if. about as if what did you feel about the tone of this movie? <laughs> like overall, how would you? I would say what that was... this movie yeah. is what we do in the shadows for girls. Like it's meant to be oh. very cutesy and girly. And it's about two best friends who are living forever, living their best life, going out every night, seducing dudes with their, charm charming eyes and wondering when they're going to break out of this path like it's it is they're vampires but ultimately this is just you know Cher and Dion as young women in the city trying to go through life like I don't I don't know it it, it had some shades of clueless I mean Wallace Shawn included um, but I think it was just meant to be cute and fun and girly. Yeah. Uh, I also, you, you mentioned what we do in the shadows. I did not like that movie either at all. <laughs> so oh, you're going to love my love bite. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's so weird because I did not like this movie, but. I'm sure that as we go through the the plot and recap stuff, I'm sure there's going to be tons of stuff that you mentioned that I'm going to be like, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I wouldn't say this movie's bad, but when it comes to comedies, you know, everyone's got their own personal taste. This movie just really bounced off me. But it it also like I understand why other people find it funny. I, I liked it. Like, it's, you know, I feel like it's funny in the way that Dad Lasso is funny. I was having this argument with Doug last night because I'm making him watch it. And he's like, it's just, it's not laugh out loud funny. I already have a golden retriever puppy. If I, if I want something heartwarming, it's right here in my living room. Like, I don't, like, it, it, it just bounced off him. And I think it's, it's a similar case here where everybody is just kind of warm and lovable and living their best lives, even as vampires. Yeah. All right. So you want to get into it? Sure. Let's learn. Okay. <laughs> here we go. 
So we've got Stacy. Well, we open up with Goody. Goody is sort of our our main character of the two. She's and Goody the is share. By... Right. She's. I. I don't really know Cher's history. So all, all of these references that you're you're naming are are completely over my head. Um, or they're just bouncing off me as well. But we've got Goody, who is the share of the two vampires, and. She was turned in 1841 by Ciceris, who's Sigourney Weaver. And, Excellent. Uh, I think I they like wasted Sigourney. Sigourney Weaver. You think that they wasted Sigourney Weaver? I mean, we could have gotten more Sigourney scenes. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, so the whole idea is that we have these stems. Stems are sort of like the original vampires. They're the more... Sires, whatever. Right. They're the more sort of classical vampire that we're dealing with. We're like, they're actually affected by lore to a larger extent. Uh, whereas Goody and soon to be vampire Stacy, they're more just kind of like underlings who are not affected to the extent that a traditional vampire might be. So it mostly just kind of makes for a sort of sitcom-y vampire hijinks scenario where these two women have to uh they have they're they're they don't have to do anything they're basically just living their life like you said having a good time um exterminating they're also vegetarians they don't they don't do humans well, they they're exterminators and they they I like their little rat juice boxes. Yeah, it was like a, it was cute, but it was I, I it felt like there should be a laugh track or something like anytime a rat thing came up, it felt like if I had a laugh track, it might make it more palatable. But instead, it just kind of falls flat because I have no one in the audience with me to be like, you know, I'm I'm not a laugh out loud laugher when it comes to stuff like this. I'm more of that soft nose exhaler. So I, I need a crowd to kind of make it palatable. I wouldn't have mind a laugh track in this movie. Um, but Goody, here's here's a weird source of of sort of conflict inner conflict for goody goody convinced ciceris to turn stacy into a vampire because she felt bad for her but she also wanted a friend so kind of in a way she's responsible for stacy being a vampire but not really but, but it, she's also lying the about alternative her, was her dying so either stacy was going to die or she could be another model for Sigourney Weaver's clothes because they can't see themselves anymore. And right. she doesn't know what she looks like. Right. Uh, so I'm going to bounce over the fact that that's like a an, a an ethical debate discussion of whether or not she has that choice to make. Because the movie's not concerned with that, nor should it be. But it's weird because Goody has this sense of like, I can't tell her how old I am. Because then she'll she's, feel weird? No, she's just, she's lying about her age, younger style. I know you haven't seen the show Younger, but it's about a woman <laughs> in her 30s who lies about being like 25 or something. She lies about being a millennial when, or I don't even think she's 30. I think she might be 40. Like never but been like, kissed. But yeah, yeah, she's never been kissing 
Uh, and it's because she worries that, um, I don't know, it's like a lot of women who lie about their age. She she wants to to make this friend and feel young. And also she she wants to make Stacy feel better. So she lies about not being that older than her. But this manifests itself in the most dated and boomer-esque humor of like... Okay, I agree BRB. with that. Like, I, I almost feel like this what movie... What mean? <laughs> this movie feels like it was probably written a decade or a decade and a half before, and it was one of those scripts that just sat around and people had to realize, oh, right, Amy Heckerling knows what she's doing, and this is a good script, so we should probably get the money together to make this. However, at that point, they also needed to, like, do a rush job and, <laughs> like, just go, you know what, just writer's room come up with again come up with sitcom-y primetime jokes to just make it in between all the actual funny stuff um yeah i think that's kind of like i don't mean that to be a backhanded compliment but that's how that's how i feel that it like there's good humor and then there's just the most cringiest of cringe humor in this movie and i, I like think what it, just all that BRB stuff, the like, oh, oh I have an mean- iPad. Oh, now I have an iPad mini. Now I have an iPad nano. They get smaller every year. Like, that's not an actual joke from the movie, but that's okay, the yeah. kind I of think, joke. I think this is like, it's specific, though, to all of the stuff that Alicia Silverstone's character Goody is saying, because she's actually really old, and and she gets to be a young mouthpiece for all these boomer thoughts like, oh, you don't have a public enemy poster? Get Cagney. Right. Like it, uh. And it sounds weird coming from her. And it does feel like, yeah, the person who wrote this movie didn't understand technology and was anxious about growing old, but it just, it didn't come across as as funny in the way that I think it intended to, but I enjoyed some of the vampire bits. Like I enjoyed them scaling the building all, uh, all <laughs> like exorcist like, uh, or floating yeah. back home instead of walking. Cause it's going to ruin her shoes. Yeah. That was uh, funny. Like, yeah, it's I, yeah, York, I like stuff right? like that. Like no one yeah. cares. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, now that all that sort of lore is out of the way, we do get into their their um, their working life, but also we get into this AA type thing where we meet uh, uh, Vlad Tepish, played by Dracula. And Dracula's... I like that he kept impaling things. That was a good bit. Yeah. So again, yeah, like this movie's clever and cute, and you can see that sort of like that seems like a very first not first draft but early draft good stuff that was that was left into the movie but um yeah so we get this sense that like all of these people just kind of want to like chill low-key and not have to worry about constantly uh being like carmilla in the vampire lovers which is like i need to to wake up and feast on blood so that i can hibernate and introducing myself to these different social structures and keeping up with things and being chased and pursued by madmen who don't want me to be a beautiful woman who makes her own decisions and 
seduces their daughters. Um, like, yeah, I get it. So it's fun. It's cute. Um, but then we we get into their daily lives. So you, as you mentioned, they're exterminators, which allows them to like stock up on rats. Um, so Goody runs into her ex boyfriend Danny, Richard Lewis. <laughs> I, I Richard Lewis was good in this movie. I just I'm a huge fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm. So for me, having that just like Richard Lewis shorthand was very nice. Um, I I definitely okay. So I didn't remember this movie that well. I remembered that I like you know Kristen Ritter as always. Um, and I remembered Richard Lewis was in the movie. I didn't remember Wallace Shawn was in the movie for some reason or Dan Stevens, but I was like, ah, you know, I liked Richard Lewis in his part. Yeah, it was, he brought some humanity to the movie, which was nice. He made it, he brought some, you know, like he was very positive in the movie, which I, I thought was good. Uh, that, that relationship didn't have a big source of tension to it. Well, but I didn't over. think it needed it. Right. I didn't think it needed it. There was no antics there. It was very, it was a, a very good, charming uh, foil to Kristen Ritter's antics when it comes to dating, because she starts dating Dan Stevens, who is a Van Helsing who doesn't believe in vampires. And it's goofy. I just, I don't know. I wish they did more with it. I just think it's kind of funny to think of Dan Stevens as being Wallace Shawn's son. <laughs> and yeah. and the fact that Dan Stevens, like, I, I don't know, like, like maybe Amy Heckerling was like, no, do the British accent. You sound so cute. <laughs> like, <laughs> nobody's nobody's going to c- care that Wallace Shawn sounds like Wallace Shawn and you sound British. You're just going to have a throwaway line about him working with MI6 for years to explain the British accent. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so Dan Stevens gets plenty of moments to shine. So does Wallace Shawn. I loved Wallace Shawn's line delivery of, for fuck's sake, she's a vampire. Uh, I thought that was like a good reveal early on that they were able to use for a bit of like, um, sort of like they were able to hype up the the tension there of, like they know that it's wrong and they know that it's a doomed relationship. But they just, they're young and they want to have fun and they don't mind just giving it a go. Um, but the the parents have to kind of <laughs> test her out because they, they want to prove to him that she's a vampire because uh, he still kind of doesn't believe it. So we have a dinner scene with Kristen Ritter. Uh, were there any jokes there that stood out for you? Well, I mean, there's a whole montage of her trying to tan herself so that she doesn't look so pale. And at first she goes to a tanning salon, but then she's smoking and she has to leave. It's very it's very Looney Tunes. Leaves the tanning salon, puts on the tanning lotion. It does nothing. Her skin is pure white. Uh, And then finally they spray paint her brown. Right. And then she Uh, shows up to dinner like that. (laughs) And she kind of, um, she kind of gave me a little bit of, um, uh, what's her Anna Ferris? She kind of gave me a little bit of Anna Ferris vibes in that moment. Oh yeah, totally. I I like Chris. I think Kristen Ritter is a really great actress. I I think she's more well known 
for some of her serious roles. Um, but I, I just think she's great. Yeah. And so one of the things I wrote very early on when you mentioned the um, the gimmicks of running down the side of the building and stuff was this movie just seems like it needed an Edgar Wright type injection to fit that Looney Tunes-esque. Like just the way he cuts a lot of his his stuff. A lot of this movie was shot in wide and it just looks goofy. I think this could have used some like extreme close-up type gags because there's a lot of great gags the the teeth whitener bit was funny the character bit was funny uh you know the embalming fluid as lotion was funny like there's a lot of funny stuff in here but um there's gonna be more right (laughs) and so uh i don't know how far ahead i'm skipping but we get to the sort of driving plot of the movie which is the government is using the patriot act to track down the vampires so they have that detail that was a good modernizing detail yeah so they come up with this plan to hijinks themselves around and they um larry finds out that she's a vampire that goody is a vampire and he's really kind of just like ambivalent towards it in a very positive optimistic way he's like oh yeah that must have been a very hard decision for you to leave me and give me a good life because i did find someone really good yeah i liked i liked their deep conversations about their relationship and getting old and you know he's this you know civil rights aclu lawyer and so he immediately is like i'm not going to discriminate against a vampire uh and he comes to their aid he i like his whole speech about he's like so you don't want to be harassed you want to live your life we'll help you do that yeah and so uh we've got some of this idea that the vampires are missing um because of van helsing of course is tracking them down we get the time warner joke of cable companies being evil uh which is that's a joke that did date well and um they're still evil right that has uh that kind of adds adds some legitimacy to the patriot thing and their paranoia about being discovered but um once they get rid of the threat of discovery they all party and chill but then we kind of start to and we we start we kind of start to get into the wrapping up of the characters stories uh which is it's revealed that Stacy is pregnant with a baby. And so what's going to happen there? Uh, it's kind of a weird thing that's like, oh, no, there's not going to be like a happy, happy ending for everybody. This is going to be one of those bittersweet endings, because really the only option is to kill the stem which is, of course, the myth, the rumor, the big legend is if you kill the stem, then all of the stem's vampiric turnings will be undone. So because Stacy is still a relatively new vampire, her undoing would still give her plenty of time to have a relationship with Dan and they could raise a child together. However, Goody would be kind of fucked because she's super old and she would die. Um, right, right. And they also decide to do it because they they don't want to put up with Sigourney Weaver shit anymore. 
because right. she goes on her she goes on her quest to get with uh, Gail Garcia Barnell. Uh, I, I like that he was Diego Bardem. Right. I, was like, I know that actor. Um, and then she comes back and is like, oh, I just killed this whole restaurant of people because I was hungry. Um, and they're like, I, we just, we can't keep meeting like this. And so they have multiple reasons to want her gone. Um, but of course, yeah, the whole plot hinges on Goody withholding the fact that he's, that she's significantly order, older and that she's basically willing to die so that Stacy can, can get the happy ending. But she was ready to go anyway. That, that's right. what the whole movie was saying. She was just, you know, yeah. The, the big she didn't payoff. like that they didn't have the Cagney poster. <laughs> the big payoff to the she doesn't want to tell Stacy her age thing is that once they defeat the evil Ciceros, they like Stacy is happy. Um yeah, it's a in it's Grant's a, tomb. Yeah, it's interesting. It's weird. It's I think it's like weirdly put together, but it uh, is, but I don't know. It worked for me. I liked that she was wearing Grant's Civil War coat. Uh, and then Wallace Shawn is, I feel like Wallace Shawn can say anything and it'll be funny, but when she grabs the gun and he's like, those needed gunpowder. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, I don't know. That was funny to me. And you know, what's, what's a vampire movie without decapitation, right? Right. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I've been, I've been teasing with some animes recently and nothing is quite hitting that sweet spot but like if this was an anime i think it would translate pretty well um just the the tonal shifts and the weird sight gags i think would just look more natural as we described in our anime episode of just like you have so much more comedic leeway uh when it's an anime but that's um, certainly true yeah, so they wrap up the movie by getting that bittersweet moment of she gets to kind of go to Times Square and just enjoy this really heartwarming, I'm going out on top kind of moment where she remembers the past and she remembers all the good things. And instead of like tears in the rain, it's like vampire spontaneous dust combustion wind. dust in the wind. So. <laughs> Um, but then we get this sort of end credit scene where it's Stacy and Joey show up to Van Helsing's house with their daughter who I always think it's weird when they name when they name daughters or sons after characters who are important to them. I just think that's always a weird homage that sticks out to me. It just tick it it really rubs me the wrong way when people it, do you were that. about to say it tickles you. <laughs> you I was like, gonna no, say it, it tickles me the tickle. wrong way. <laughs> um it I I don't know, it's just weird. But then the baby is like Rawr! and has vampire teeth, which is weird because now we have all this other set of like, wait, so now I don't know. And then he, Wallace Sean goes out on this really weird, like really floppy kind of classic rom-com one-liner is it's kind of disappointing (laughs) um i don't know i'm really down on this movie i really didn't like this movie but it was it it i I would say now the the truth comes out half the movie was really enjoyable um 
yeah, I don't know if you have any final thoughts. Um, I mean, I don't know. I I thought it was cute. I liked that they had Dracula. They had Renfield, who was their their gay best friend. They, you know, yeah, I I liked their side by side coffins. They were they were doing the Golden Girls thing until she met Stan. I almost said Stan Stevens. How awful would that be? Um, Dan but Stevens. Dan for Dan. And- <laughs> Yeah, I do stand for Dan. Um, but yeah, I would say that the um the boomer jokes didn't age well. Like it even though it was 2012, it felt like they were talking about 2001 technology. I don't even yeah. know. Um and yeah, you're right. They could have used Sigourney Weaver more, and I thought it would have been really funny if she turned uh Diego Bardem. Like, like we never got to see her trying to turn anybody else. And I am not a stickler for creating clear vampire lore the way that you are, but um, I did find the way that they used vampire lore and vampire reversal to be kind of confusing. Yeah, I, I, I'm not as much of a stickler when it comes to stuff like this, because... Uh, it's like, yes, you know, onions have zero effect on her. She just didn't like the salt. It's, you know, that's fine. I, I don't, I don't mind that, but it just, the hijinks, the, the hijinks wasn't there. I, I need, if you're gonna, if you're gonna toss around lore, like it's, you know, like a kid waving around a dangerous toy, like, you know, have some hijinks. Have some have some characters like I it I, I felt like this character this movie needed more Roger Rabbit type stuff where like stuff was going on around them and they had to manage a bunch of juggling balls. Um, that's I, that's one oh, thing I would have liked. I meant to say I did think um, the guy from Weeds the um, the one with the Nosferatu vampire teeth. I liked his scenes a lot. I thought they were funny. I liked when he turned. Richard Lewis's wife and he made it into like a whole like I don't know spinny seduction thing I thought it was silly and funny uh again I don't know humor humor just is a fickle mistress I don't do humor yeah uh so before we get into remixes uh who would you kill from this movie I don't know his name, but I'm going to kill that guy who, like, wants to be a vampire and shows up. Yeah, Renfield. I'm going to kill Renfield. And and that's kind of more of a mercy killing. Because just put him out of his misery, man. He's It's never going to happen for him. (laughs) Don't waste your life on, you know, go, go live it to the fullest. Don't. I mean, that's that's the running joke with vampires, though, is that there's that one underling that really wants to get turned really badly and is just going to do anything to get it. But then the vampires never turn him. Yeah, but if this was like an early Andy Samberg or Will Ferrell type role, like I, I don't know where the timeline fits. But if it was one of those early roles for a small comedian to really have the freedom to make their own. Uh, that role could have been Renfield could have been a, a good comedic relief inside of a comedy, but instead it's just like 
dude, just I, I'm just gonna do it right now. I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put you out of your misery. Uh, how about you? I don't know. I'm not really bloodthirsty for anybody in this movie. Um, I like Sigourney Weaver. I think she's cool. I say keep her. Um, yeah, as for who I'd kill, yeah, probably I guess I'd just put Renfield out of his misery. Yeah, poor guy. Poor, poor guy. So how was it turning this into a horror since we already got vampires? Uh, I think this is a very interesting horror that I, it's, it's a genre that I don't like. I haven't seen a lot of movies that I like of this genre, but I know a lot of people do Meaning like vampires? The Meaning the sort of more A24 quiet, very static horror movie. Oh, artsy fartsy horror. Yes, very artsy fartsy. Um, but I do like some artsy fartsy horror, but just not the A24 style new wave horror. I, I forget what we're calling it, but whatever. Because I've seen some uh, Ingmar Bergman stuff, right? Hour of the Wolf and whatnot. Like that's artsy horror, but that's, you know, that guy knew what he was doing. I would do an Ingmar episode. He has a sex comedy, more of a, yeah, more of a sex comedy than a romance comedy, but Smiles of a Summer Night, love it. Tons of hijinks. One of my favorites. Those Europeans put a lot more sex in the rom-coms than us Americans. (laughs) That they do. That they do. Um, Um, how about you? Yeah. Do you want to go first or do you want to? Oh God, mine is terrible. So maybe, maybe you should go after me. Okay. Cause I, I'm going to need, I'm going to need some workshop help. Um, so I, I decided to call my movie Ciceros versus Santanico, which I didn't know that this was her character's name. You're nodding because you do know that Santanico is Salma Hayek in from Dust Till Dawn. Oh, I guess that's no. what her character. I didn't know what her character's name was, but it was um San Santanico Pandemonium or something. I had to look up the character's name. Yeah, I don't think they. Oh, they probably do mention it in the movie, but yeah, I would have to look it up too. But I'm I'm I was nodding because I was expecting you to tell me who Santanico was. Oh but yeah. Oh, I thought I thought that you knew because you're a big you you like Dust Till Dawn, right? Oh yeah, I love it. I just don't know her name off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, uh, this sounds like Sexy a great vampire movie. queen. Sigourney so, Weaver versus Selma Hayek. Fuck yeah, sign me up. I'm sold. Yeah. Yeah, so this is, again, like, more of a logline premise than, like, a fully formed remix. But, you know, just like Jason versus Freddy or um, Alien versus Predator, let's just say that Ciceris, Sigourney Weaver, and the queen of the vampires in Mexico, Salma Hayek, Santanico, existed in the same cinematic universe. Uh, Or uh, another one... King Kong and Godzilla. It's like you gotta get the verses because it's just it's so much fun. And we still have yet to get a good versus horror between two women. Everybody I've listed, it's just two dudes duking it out. So what if we pit two queens against each other? Uh so I really I just have the basic bones formula that is a typical versus movie. And I thought that it should start out with that 
trip to Mexico. Ciceris wants to go to Mexico to pursue Diego Bardem, but in her pursuit of Diego, she runs afoul of the Mexican vampires at the Titty Twister. I, I mean, I don't know if she ends up at the Titty Twister or if Selma Hayek is like, oh, one of these American vampire bitches has come onto my territory and expects to suck dry Gabriel Garcia or Barnell, not on my watch. Now, is what kind of movie is this going to be? Is this like a Splatterfest horror movie? Is this like the same kind of horror that From Dusk Till Dawn would be? Or is this... I would say horror comedy Splatterfest. You know, we've okay, talked yeah, yeah. offline, we've talked off, off recording about Freddy versus Jason. I would want something that has a similar silly tone like Kung Fu meets horror. Right. So yeah, we can just have a series of um, somehow because she drank Mexican water, you know, you're not supposed to drink water in Mexico, but for vampires, it can have a different effect, which is maybe her hypnotizing charm is reversed. So once her car breaks down, it's just a series of, wacky hijinks of reverse hypnotizing of her getting pulled deeper and deeper into the middle of nowhere until finally she arrives at the titty twister and she has no choice but to go in and try to like just seek someone for help but then you have the the sort of like alpha female like this is my territory Right, exactly. And then, you know, like all versus movies, she's got Sigourney Weaver's got to get just totally beat in that first battle. Like it's it's going to be very one sided. Selma Hayek right. just destroys her because it's on her home turf. So, of course, she's going to outperform her. And then Ciceris vows revenge. And so now it's New York vampires versus Mexican vampires. What are we going to do? And maybe their next fight is like in Times Square. Like Salma Hayek has come to oh, New right. York to face uh, Ciceris and and they duke it out. And then fight number two, of course, Ciceris wins um so right. we're even one one every good versus movie has a one one um by and that's the gonna happen the... at, that's gonna happen at grant's tomb or are we oh yeah grant's tomb or Times square i don't know i thought oh it, right, right, jason, right. Times jason went to Times square why can't they um right and, and then we can and, have we can have like a, a a vampire men in black type outfit show up and completely hypnotize all of Times Square to forget what happened. Oh, that would be that would be great. Yeah, I could totally I could totally see something like that. But of course, I think that the best third act move or just the classic third act move for this type of movie is that a common enemy is unveiled. Maybe it's Homeland Mega Security. Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, I I actually wrote in my in my plane draft and then they have to fight fight a government army of robo vampires <laughs> yeah mecha dracula heck yeah mecha dracula <laughs> no yeah so so it could be that Mecula. it could just be home it could just be homeland security but they yeah, find a sense. common they find a common enemy they defeat that common enemy they oh. aren't friends 
but they leave with respect for each other. Yeah, I I like that. That's the very sort of like, um, I don't know. That's like a very spaghetti western ending, which is like we're two we're two very spiritual forces who recognize that we're both the main characters of this narrative, which means we can't be in the same narrative. So we're just going to exactly. go our own separate ways. Um, exactly. What were you going to add? I was going to add, I did think, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but the Homeland Security joke I thought was funny, even though it was a bit outdated in 2012. But I thought like Homeland Security is all about protecting your own turf, your own soil. And the fact that vampires have a soil connection when they sleep. I don't know if that's intentional, but I did think that that was kind of clever. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it still applies today. Like, I mean, yeah, Homeland Security is still pretty crazy. Um, but, but yeah, I, I just, I just wanted to follow the classic beats of a versus movie with Sigourney Weaver and Selma Hayek. Let's go, girls. Let's do it. Yeah, I. There's so much potential for this. Yeah, I think going. I think going fun fun blood splatter fest is definitely the way to go i i think you undersold uh, under what what do they always say under promise over deliver i think you delivered a good one yay i'm glad because i you know per usual i always think with that extra time between recordings that i'm going to use that time to polish off my remix and and make it even better but no i didn't do any you of know, that stuff i was busy reading comics uh and, and then you know what here. the best way to make a remix is though is to bite off more than you can chew and then sit chewing it for a while and then just walk away and let it digest that's you, you don't need to keep chewing at it i think i think there's definitely something to that so Let's hear the A24 pitch. Let's I want to hear your artsy fartsy vampire horror. All right, I'm pretty proud of this. But again, I this even though I I'm going to pitch this movie and hand it over to whoever the directors are that do what's his name, Ari Aster. I'm going to hand it over to them and they're going to actually yeah, make a, they're going to make a serious version of this movie. Please keep in mind that in my making of this movie, I did it almost as like a spoof but we're going to sell it serious. So we've got Stacy and Stacy. The big gimmick of this movie is like boyhood was like, we filmed over 14 years. And so like there was this kind of hype, this sort of meta hype around the movie. Stacy is going to be played by a pair of fraternal twins who are brother and sister, but they look identical. And, and so our character is going to be androgynous. And because we have both male and female playing the part in different scenes, but it's never meant to be clear which is which, hmm. it adds this very artsy dynamic that like it's already like, setting the mood. You know what this reminds me of? Did you ever see Tilda Swinton in Orlando? No. I saw it, her in San Francisco and L.A., but never Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's based on a it's based on a book, but the idea is that Orlando is not a vampire, but is sort of an ageless, eternal being, 
And at different points, Orlando is a female or a male, and it's Tilda Swinton plays Orlando throughout their life. Uh, and you get right, to see them as sense. both. Uh, so yeah, yeah I, so, so far I'm, I'm into it. Queer it up. Give it to me. Yeah, so uh, we're going to start off with young Stacy, though, who's dropped off at an orphanage. So I'm, I'm going back to the medieval times. I, I swapped the, the timing, the time settings of this movie with Lovers Left, uh, not Lovers Left Alive. That's another Tilda Swinton vampire movie uh, with the vamp- uh, vampire lovers. So that movie is going to take place in modern times. This movie takes place in oldie times. Ye old vampire. Ooh, ye oldie times. Vampire with a Y. Um, so she gets dropped off at a church. The priests and nuns and stuff. Uh, this movie is called Purebred. And when she gets dropped off at the the orphanage, it's revealed at the beginning of the movie that she is a hermaphrodite. And so... So... The the priests and nuns take this. Of course, they they have some cinematic way. We have some cinematic way of showing through a vision that this is a sign of God, and that because she's a hermaphrodite, uh, that this is like a purebred angelic type being who must be protected and preserved. And so the the Stacy is both normalized in the sense that yes it's normal for you to be a hermaphrodite who is the chosen one of god but it's taboo in society so there's this play of like she's like the dalai lama raised as a kid so it's like okay this is normal right like all like this is how i was raised since i was a baby but also like but i know that the rest of society doesn't quite acknowledge this however it's revealed that she was the offspring of some royalty. So the royalty sends a baron to collect her. And so she is taken back into society where she has to interact with people, but we're going to do this religious type thing where she wears, you know, like the diva in the fifth element. She's got that sort of completely cloaked sense like phantom of the opera type thing if the phantom's mask was like a soft veil to make it more sensuous or i don't know i think the the phantom mask is already pretty sensuous but uh like he's a sexy bad guy bad boy um and so it's but you know so we never know and it's never brought up her gender so it doesn't matter if he's a he or she's a she because when they come into the dances with the men and women, she is from a different culture. So she gets to take on whatever role she wants whenever she wants. So sometimes she'll play the male part in the dance. Sometimes she'll play the the female part in the dance. And I'm just using she pronouns because it's easier for my brain. Um, and so when she's alone with a male or female... She gets to again when she unrobes herself. It's complete. I don't know how the director is going to decide, but either we can have the male actor playing male ish, or we can have the male actor playing female, or vice versa. You have so many combinations that because of how it's designed, you know, maybe we can do like a, a randomizer where they film every scene with a different little, it's like a choose your own adventure where, like, you know, 
the way it's played, the essential essence of the scene is the same, but the way it's played is different. And then you could watch it on DVD and every time you could get a different experience. But um, she has two main love interests and those love interests find out that she's a vampire and the, the guy love interest starts up a secret rumblings that she's a vampire and gathers up this angry mob because of course you've got to um you've got to kill the vampire you got to get it out of society before chaos happens but the female Her sexuality lover, is too threatening right he's he's embarrassed and ashamed because who knows what if society finds out that she has both parts what will they think of him so he still loves her but he also has to like get rid of her um, but then they go into the next town, the female and the, the Stacy run away. They go into the next town, but the, the, the crowd is hot on their heels. So there's more just instant amping up of the tension, more escalation. So what they decide to do is sort of do what they shouldn't do, which is they think is safe, but they risk putting the original church in danger. They go back to the original church. However, the church is not happy with this purebred mingling with uh, 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 like a, a regular human, whether they Peasants. be male or female. Right. They, they, this person only has one gender. No, a purebred would have two genders. So what does the evil church do? The evil church tries to convince Stacy that, she has to kill her lover because that's of course that's the only way to undo the spell or whatever they think she's cursed i don't know it's artsy it's fartsy that's para they're all paranoid and crazy religious people and they reveal that they have conjured up an uh, a shadow twin of stacy they we have a shadow stacy so much like your mecha Ooh. dracula type thing i have like a nega scott from scott pilgrim we have a shadow stacy who is her evil clone it's like the end of annihilation with the shadow character uh the mirror character and so uh the shadow character and the pure and stacy they they do something it's really weird and intimate and sexy and confusing and strange but ultimately the church wins um the lady who ran away with Stacy is pursued by the man because the man comes to the church to kill Stacy, but the church hypnotizes him and he accidentally kills the woman instead. And then he goes insane with madness and he's thrown on a tomb of spikes and covered up by a big stone. And the whole thing is revealed that this has happened many times over many years. Oh, like and- an iron maiden. Yeah, and so it just it ends on this really bleak ending, but it also kind of ends on this like you also want to know what's going to happen next, and you know like that curiosity is the thing that always gets you. Um, so that's the that's the real horror of vampires is you know what's going to happen, which is they're going to kill you, uh, they're going to make you undead, whether that means vampire or just blood bag, but. You still, you just, you gotta know. You gotta know regardless. You gotta know what death is like by the hands of a vampire, or you gotta know what eternal life is like. You gotta know. You just gotta know. And that's what this movie is gonna That vampire kiss. Yeah. 
Big vampire so, energy. I, I like it. I hope it ends with a slow zoom on Stacy, midsummer style. She's just making that I'm a badass face. That feels very A24. Also, the confusing, bizarre, and alluring sex scene feels feels right for this type of movie. Yeah. So, again, this is probably the movie that I would go to and watch in theaters and then come out and scoff and go, oh, the only hipsters would like this movie. But uh, I think it's I, I, I think it's a good pitch. I think it fits the genre. Someone call Ari Aster. We've got your next movie. Yeah, purebred. I can see the trailer now, right? Like you can just see the trailer with the weird font over black and the the pulsing mm-hmm. and the I don't know, yeah. Oh yeah, like one percussive note. Yeah. 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 A piano yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. One piano yeah. key as yeah. we see like clip bing clip. The bing. purest piano key. Oh, the purest, purer than the driven snow. Well, that is all for today. Before we get into our love bites, very apropos this episode, love bites, vampires love biting. Uh, Just want to remind you all to follow us on social media and like and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts at NecromancerPod. Now, getting into love bites, because we love bites. What would you like to recommend this week? Um, I don't. Uh, give me a moment to think about it. How about you go first on this one? So I'm going to recommend that movie slash show that you hate. What we do in the shadows. <laughs> I actually I really like the FX show. I think that it's really funny. Um, particularly I like the, um, uh, the, the guy who plays, uh, Laszlo, I think, uh, what we do in the shadows. I need somebody to look up things for me. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Matt Barry. Yeah. The guy who plays Laszlo, Matt Barry, I I've liked him since he was in, I think he was in the show called Toast of London. But he is hilarious in what we do in the shadows. If you if you like to get your vampire yucks, then I would highly recommend the show. I mean, you can watch the movie too, which is funny. But I I think that the show is doing funnier things, and I particularly like they have one character who is an energy vampire, and his whole deal is to just be the most excruciatingly boring person as possible. And that just sucks the energy from people. And I don't know. I, I find it very funny. I love Matt Barry. I would recommend that if you want more vampire silliness. Matt Barry did Darth Gerengi's dark place or something, right? I don't know what that is. Oh, all right. I just know I just um, know him from Toast of London and uh, What We Do in the Shadows. And then I think he had another show that I have yet to see called Rabbit or something like that. But I, I find him hilarious. I like everything yeah. he does. I know him from the IT crowd. That's right. He was uh, the boss, right? Yeah. The second boss. The even crazier than the first boss boss. Right, right. Which is always yeah. a great role to play. 
Um, yeah. All right. Interesting. Yeah. What we do in the shadows. I can vouch for it in the sense that a lot of people that I like, like it. So, yeah. Just not Brett. <laughs> Just not me. Um, you know what I did like, though? What? This is going to come out like a like well, like a month after Halloween. And it's weird to recommend it after Halloween, but I'm going to recommend Halloween Kills. I think this is a very interesting movie. I really wanted to like it, and I really didn't think I was going to like it. And I think I like it because of the meta-ness of the movie. The whole, like, John Carpenter created this franchise that became bigger than him, and there's always been people trying to recapture different essences of the John Carpenter film. And this movie has a very early, like, 70s, 80s John Carpenter vibe where it's very blunt and it is not subtle with the the message that it's going for there's like a a how we treat mentally ill in today's society type message that really hits you over the head but um i like that like i like movies like black swan and mother and like i like it when people sometimes i like some movies that really go non-subtle very in your face with its message um, but then sometimes I don't. Again, it's a it's just a matter of personal taste. I think it'd be interesting if you didn't like this movie, go back and rewatch it. If you're like a film horror person, like try to just wash yourself away from all the expectations of what a movie like this should be, and and like be be willing to meet the movie more than halfway because it's you know I I just. As long as a movie's given me interesting stuff, I can excuse some of the weirdness of a movie and just kind of go, oh, you know, I probably would have shot the scene differently or executed it differently. So I'm just going to go ahead and give them the benefit of the doubt and say that, you know, they kind of wanted to do it my way, but filmmaking happened and they couldn't. Um, I just, I've become way more lenient on movies. Like, cause I've seen people eviscerate this movie <laughs> and call movies it. Movies are hard to make. Movies are hard to make, yeah. and I and I feel like people people do underscore that in their criticism of movies. And I I just I think that people really get a lot of energy out of shitting on things. Like yeah. to name another vampire movie, Twilight. It's honestly not that bad, but like people just love shitting on it because it feels good right. to criticize it. Um, um but... I, I will say real quick though like twilight seems like a movie that was probably made in a very like we had to compromise on a lot of kind of stuff because it's a big budget movie and that's how a lot of those big budget movies are made um but halloween kills does seem like it was exactly the movie that david gordon green wanted to make so again i, I am I'm going out of my way to give them the benefit of the doubt on the stuff that I didn't like. And I really just, I I, I was happy with the stuff that I did like, because there's a lot of good stuff in the movie. Yeah. I still need to watch it. I finally saw the 2018 Halloween and, and I liked it a lot. Yeah. 
it the first time I saw that movie too, I did not like it because it had the expectations of what it was. But then I watched it later and I said, you know, I'm gonna wash myself of all of the preconceptions or pre whatever that comes the baggage. I'm gonna be like uh George Clooney and empty my book bag of this movie <laughs> and start anew. And yeah, I, I met the movie more than halfway and it's a good way to watch movies. I I would agree with that. I, I wish that more people would watch rom-coms that way. Uh, but yeah, Halloween Kills. I think it's still valid. Uh, I'm sure there are plenty of people who are disappointed it is no longer Halloween and are just counting down the days. Like Michael. Yeah, those people are called Satanists. <laughs> all right well that is all for today wait i what would uh uh big daddy van helsing yeah what would big daddy van helsing say uh for fuck's sake she's a vampire Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities.